Good morning. Welcome to Northfield Christian Fellowship. Glad you chose to worship with us today. Those of you that don't know me, my name is Rick Sherman. It is my privilege to be up here sharing God's word with you this morning. Today we are continuing our series in Colossians. In fact, we are halfway through. There's four chapters in Colossians. Today we will conclude chapter two. Uh, before we get into that, I'm going to tell you a story about me, because I'm up here. Parents, any ever struggle with uh, feeding your kids? I'm not talking about putting food on the table, but getting them to eat what you want them to eat. Anybody ever struggle with eating things your parents wanted you to make you eat? Amen. So let me tell you how things worked in the house I grew up in. I'm going to preface this simply by saying, Mom, if you're listening today or listening next week, this is not an indictment on you. And I will preface this by giving you some data on my family. Both of my parents lived in war-torn, ravaged Europe during world, uh, world wars, and they both knew real hunger. It's a little backdrop. So the rules in the house were very simple. If Mom made it, you ate it. That was it. Liver and onions Thursday nights, by the way. So, you know, we talk like at school or maybe with some church friends. So what would happen if you didn't clean your plate? Because the plates went back clean. And I didn't understand the question. What, what do you mean what happens if you didn't clean your plate? Then I'm still sitting at the table. No, but what would really happen if you didn't clean your plate? No, I'm still sitting at the table then. And if you wanted to play the game long enough, there were seven of us in the family. If you wanted to play the game long enough, then very simply, Fred or Inga would go to the cupboard and get a piece of saran wrap, put it over your plate, put it in the fridge, because the next thing you were eating was on that plate. Now, I'm going to date myself over here. My formative years were late 70s, early 80s. There was not a microwave in every house in the late 70s and early 80s. Whatever it was was waiting in the fridge. The fridge didn't make it taste better the next morning, I can assure you. So the rules relaxed as we became teenagers and grew older, and I then overcorrected. Natural human reaction. And probably from, I'm going to say, 20, 25 years, if it was green, I didn't eat it. Broccoli, no chance. Green beans, no. Asparagus, no. Cauliflower, I know, is not green. I didn't eat it. <laughs> Lettuce, no. Spinach? No. It's kind of a joke in the family. Don't give Rick salad. It'll make him sick. His body won't know what to do with it. Did that for probably, honestly, 20, 25, 30 years. I really didn't eat anything green. We'll get back to that story in a moment, in a minute. Before we go to God's word, let's pause for a moment of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are good. We thank you for your mercy and your love, and most of all, your son, Jesus. God, we lift up Rick as he brings a message this morning. God, open our ears and our hearts so that we can hear what you want us to hear. God, let all the distractions in our life just fade away this morning. Um, help us to worship you wholeheartedly. God, we thank you and love you in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Join me in Colossians 2, 2, uh, Colossians 2, 16 through 23 is our passage today. Uh, Pew Bible is page 884. Again, that's Colossians 2, 16 through 23. I'll give you a moment to get there. I'm going to read out of the ESV, out of the Pew Bible. That's unusual for me. I'm generally an NIV guy, but we are going to read out of the ESV translation this morning. There's a couple words in here I want to key in on. So that's Colossians 2 and 16. 
Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So I mentioned, therefore, it's our first word today in the passage. Therefore, in Scripture, is always a moment of pause. It is we're going back. So Colossians really until now, and Doug brought it out very nicely last week, has really been all about Christ. It's been all about the gospel. We have a gear change here today. Um, a gear change here is we really have three warnings in this passage. So this passage isn't so much about what we've seen in the past. And then actually there's another gear change next week. We, um, yeah, next week Colossians in chapter 3 is more of a practical application of how we do things. But today is a gear change with three warnings. Let no one judge you. Verse 16, NIV has let no one pass judgment on you. So I want to make a moment of pause here. Because isn't Paul judging? Isn't Paul saying let no one judge you? Isn't Paul judging? This is exactly what he's doing right here, right? But what about Matthew 7, 1? Don't judge lest you be judged. So we have kind of overcorrected, kind of why I told that story at the start. Isn't it human culture? Don't tread on me. Don't judge me. No one has the right to judge me. No one has the right to do that. What do the um, pro-choice people say? You don't have a right on my body. You don't have a right. No one has a right to judge me. You can't do that. We have kind of overcorrected as a society. And I wonder if that, some of that hasn't crept in to church. Should we judge? Yes. Absolutely we should. But we need to do it correctly. And I think three ways that we kind of miss that, not necessarily talking about Northfield, but as people, is we look the other way. We see sin, we look the other way. And when we do that, we then, not subconsciously, we then, without saying it, we say that that sin is okay. We let that sin go when we don't acknowledge it, when we don't point it out. Another way is we judge on things that are not perfectly clear in Scripture. If it is your personal belief that a Christian under no circumstance should ever touch a drop of alcohol, that is fine. That is for you. I think you will have trouble getting that across globally that that is a clear tenet of Scripture. If you believe that a Christian should never bear arms for any reason, we are to be pacifists and never bear arms against another human being. That is fine. I think you will have trouble telling that to a Christian brother or sister that is a police officer. We make things that are not totally clear in Scripture and judge people on them. Do we do it correctly? We've been told in Matthew 18 how to go about approaching another. In love, one-on-one. In love with another. 
in love with the church? Or do we pass judgment my way and gossip? Did you see what they did? And slander. Or I'm never going to talk to that person again, and I'm going to shun them silently, never tell them why. Three ways I believe that we get it wrong. Paul here is correctly passing judgment. Shadows. Let's read verses 16 and 17 again. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So what has happened here, we can ascertain, is that there are false teachers that have impacted the church at Colossae. And what are they teaching? They are teaching from Scripture. But they are teaching Jesus and. They are teaching from Scripture. Why do I say that? They are teaching about dietary restrictions, what we should eat or drink. Leviticus 11. They are teaching about festivals, that we should have Christ and acknowledge the festivals. Leviticus 23. Paul specifically mentions new moon. We see that in Numbers 28. If you remember back to our series on Haggai, Haggai burst on the scene during a new moon festival. They are talking about the Sabbath and ways that we should do the Sabbath. Sabbath is in Scripture, Old and New Testament, 150, 175 times. So what are these people doing? What did Doug say last week? I believe that something like the best lies are mostly true. These people are teaching Scripture, but it's Jesus and. It's Jesus and. You need to do these dietary things. We need to do these festivals. We need to do different rules on the Sabbath. It's Christ and, and it is a warning. Because here we have the verse. This is part of the reason I read substance in the ESV. Christ is the soma. That is the Greek word. Christ is the soma. He is the body. The NIV says it is the reality. Christ is the reality of those things. Christ is the reality. The dietary restrictions, I love how Christ fills the Old Testament. It's so beautiful to me. The dietary restrictions were set, were designed, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble speaking. They were designed to teach Israel that they were a nation set apart. Christ did that. 1 Peter 2.9, we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are God's special possession. Christ completed that. The soma, the reality, the substance completed the setting apart. The festivals were pictures of God's atonement. Christ completed that. Galatians 1.4, Christ gave himself for our sins. Christ gave himself for our sins, the atonement. Hebrews 10.10, we are holy by the sacrifice once for all. Christ fulfilled the atonement. Sabbath was designed to teach Israel of our upcoming eternal rest. And again, the soma, the reality, the substance did that. In Hebrews 4, it says that we are still entering our eternal rest. In Matthew 11.28, Jesus says what? Come to me. All who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christ did that. The shadows are gone. We have the soma. We have the reality. We have the substance. What gives a shadow? Something tangible has to give a shadow. My emotions don't give a shadow. Air doesn't give a shadow. Something tangible. The soma. Christ gave the form. He was real. And the shadows are over. 
It's not Christ and. Verse 18 is our second warning here. Let's read that. 18 and 19. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. This is our second warning. And this warning is harsher than the previous warning. There's the word. Everybody knows it, I'm sure. This word is used twice in Scripture. Both times in Colossians. Let's go back a page in your pew Bible to Colossians 1, maybe. I know it's Colossians 1, 11 and 12. There we go. I think I turned that off accidentally. Let's read Colossians 1, 11 and 12. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience in joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Here is that first word. It is used in the positive. We have been qualified to share in the inheritance. Here in our passage today, Paul uses the negative of it. Let no one disqualify you. What does that word mean? To decide against as an umpire. To defraud or beguile of the prize of victory. Some would say, or to rob. A metaphor to deprive of salvation. Now, can someone deprive me of my salvation? No, but this is a harsh warning. Paul is saying, be careful. Do not be disqualified. So what is the problem? This is serious. The problem is very simply, these other false teachers are having people worship angels or other things. Specifically in Revelation, we are forbidden. to. John bows down in front of the angel, and the angel says, don't do that. I'm a created being also. We've lost a little translation. We don't know exactly what this meant specifically in the day, but the bottom line is, if our worship is not on Christ and solely on Christ, and we are worshiping something else, angelic or otherwise, we're in serious peril. Paul is saying, do not get disqualified. If our focus is on the eternal, it talks about asceticism. If we are getting external, and we are, ju- um, we are focusing on the external, Matthew 23, what does Jesus say to the scribes and Pharisees? You clean the outside. You look at the outside. You're whitewashed tombs. That cup is filthy on the inside. If we are focusing on the external, Paul has an extreme warning for us. That is not right. And why? Because these people are puffed up, and they have visions, and they go in great detail. Right? So if I'm going to focus on what these people are teaching in this day, where do I have to go? Well, to them, so they can explain the vision in great detail. And I am going to them as the source of my knowledge. And what are they? They are unspiritual, or they have an sensuous mind. Paul is giving a very stark warning. Be careful who you're listening to and why you're listening to them. Where is the focus? Are you worshiping other? Are you worshiping an angel? Are you worshiping elsewhere? Are you focusing on the external? 
Matthew Henry says it this way. And here's our key verse in the passage. They've lost connection to the head. These people, I believe both groups Paul is referring to, they have lost connection to the head. Verse 19. They have lost connection to the substance. They have lost connection to the reality, to the soma. That is the problem. It's the key verse of our passage. And notice it says in verse 19, if you've lost connection to the head, you have no ability to grow or to function. None. What happens to a chicken when you cut its head off? It runs around aimlessly with no direction and no steps, no ability to, to know where it's going and very quickly dies. When we lose connection with the head, we are aimless, running around like a chicken with our head cut off, and soon then we die. They've lost connection to the head. I know I'm going fast. I always do. I'm sorry. Verses 20 through 23. Let's read those again. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but... They are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Sorry. Here we have asceticism again. This is our third warning. And I'm going to call this asceticism on steroids. Because this is not just don't eat it. This is I'm not even going to touch it. I'm not going to look at it. I'm not going to have it in my house, let alone let you. This is asceticism on steroids. So what is that word? I've used it a couple times. Dictionary.com simply says it this way. The doctrine that a person can attain a high spiritual and moral state by practicing self-denial, self-mortification, and the like. I think I'm being mean here. For me, this is a mental picture, at least for me, is, is the monks that are living in a monastery that have denied themselves of any luxury. Right? They're, they're wearing the, the robes. There is no entertainment luxury they're, they eat very meager, uh, bland food. They are quiet. They deny themselves clothing luxury, and they are just living an ascetic lifestyle. And that is okay unless you believe that that is saving you, because that is not. So that is how it puts them. So don't touch it. And so Paul here again is saying, well, why do you submit? Why do we submit to any human regulations? Have we overcorrected? Are we back to there's no rules? Don't judge me. It's not what Paul is saying here. But Paul is warning. And why is he warning us? Because verse 23 clearly states, the rules don't change our heart. They have no ability to change our heart or sensuous mind. They appear wise. And they might even be wise. So I think the tendency here in this passage could be potentially to kind of rip on other religions, and I don't want to do that. But there are good rules. You know, it's a good thing to pray five times a day. It's a fantastic thing. You know, 
Praying five times a day is probably four times a day more than a lot of people pray. But praying five times a day doesn't save you. Praying the Lord's Prayer five times a day does not save you. Going on a mission trip, a year-long mission trip, fantastic idea, does not save you. Going on a Christian mission trip does not save you. The rules can be good. I would suggest that there's some very regimented, very people here that live a very regimented life here at Northfield. Their regimen, their routine does not save them. I'm not saying don't have a routine and don't do that. Don't misunderstand me. But it's not the routine. It's not your structure. It's not the regimen that saves you. It's the spirit that changes our heart. It is the spirit that says here the rules don't change our heart. What does? The spirit changes our heart. Is this still relevant in 2023? You know, I found it interesting that this is. We have fish fries on Fridays, don't we? There's alcohol restrictions in certain religions. There's dietary restrictions in certain religions. Caffeine restrictions in certain religions. The Sabbath. Did you know yesterday Israeli Airlines flew? Yesterday Israeli Airlines flew. Why is that news? Because Israeli Airlines has not flown on the Sabbath since 1982. Is this still relevant in 2023? What is my view of Scripture? Kind of four take-homes. What is my view of Scripture? 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture, all Scripture is, is good for rebuke and for doctrine. Why am I going here? Because this book, all of it, is good for rebuke and for doctrine. You know, Romans 1 is in here. You can take it out of your Bible, but Romans 1 is in here. There's some passages in the Old Testament that are in this book. We might not understand them all, but are we willing to stand on this book in its entirety with the headwinds that may be coming? Because if we don't, if we just chisel away at it and say that that's relative, as soon as we've got one thing that's relative in this book, it's all relative. And as soon as you make your thing relative, then I can make mine, and I've got nothing to stand on. You know, one common thing I hear, it's kind of in the world, but I'm wondering if it's not creeping into the church. If Jesus didn't speak on it, then it must not be that important. All scripture. People would say that Jesus never spoke specifically, I'll give an example, on gay marriage. Well, that's a misunderstanding because Jesus clearly said that marriage is between a man and a woman. But Jesus also never said that I shouldn't shoot heroin. Should I? It's a misunderstanding. We want to say, if Jesus didn't say it, be careful with that. It's all scripture is, from, is profitable for doctrine and rebuke. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, and it pierces between bone and marrow. And how do we get faith? Romans 10.17, faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? The word of God. All of it. How's this impact me in 2023? Do I judge? Do I misjudge others? This hit me hard because I do. And I think if we're candid with ourselves, we all do. 
right? So there's some, there's some blowback from some different companies. When Roe v. Wade was shut down, Amazon got some blowback because they were being, making some liberal policies for their companies. You know, Target's been re, um, re, uh, received some blowback. Bud Light is probably the most famous one that's received some blowback. You know, there's a colossal difference. If you see me darkening the doors of a gentleman's club versus if you know that I have an Amazon Prime account. Do you misjudge people? There is a huge difference if you see me denigrate and humiliate my wife and you don't call me out on it and you drive by my house and you're annoyed by the brand of vehicle parked in my driveway or you're wondering why I'm mowing the lawn on Sunday. Colossal difference. I don't know what your thing is. Those are two that came to me. But do you misjudge others on whatever your thing is? I've got my things. And if I'm honest with myself, I do. Do I let others judge me? If you've been misjudged by somebody, know that you are a new creature in Christ. Don't let that own you. Don't let that misjudgment by a human own you. You are a new creature in Christ. There is not condemnation for you. Why is my religion so attractive? Why? Because you know what? If I've got my rules, I prayed today. I didn't swear today. I didn't lie today. I read my Bible. I told my wife I loved her. Then I go to bed. Good. Because I checked all the boxes. And I didn't do that today. And I didn't do that. And then I go to bed justified in my own mind. If it stopped there, that'd be bad enough. But what do I do with my list? I saw you last week. You did that, and you shouldn't have. I saw you a couple days ago, and you didn't do that, and you should have. And so I foist my list on others. Not good. That's why my religion's so attractive, because I can justify myself, and I can go to bed then thinking, I did and I didn't, I did and I didn't, and you, you've got some issues. Another thing, can it be that easy? The gospel is actually really pretty simple. Can it be that easy? Can it be that easy that Christ, fully God, fully man, died on that cross for my sins, took my sins on him, and that we are saved simply through that. Can it be that simple? Yes. It's tempting to complicate that. We want to put our thing on it. Christ and. Just like our original text here in verse 16. Christ and. Can Christ be that big? Can Christ be that big? Matt mentioned it. Christ's sacrifice is sufficient for Hamas. Can Christ be that big? Yes. Yes. The lamb was that worthy. The price paid was that big. And some of those things are complicated. I don't fully grasp God being fully God, Jesus being fully God and fully human. But some things we just have to take on faith. It is that easy. It's not that easy fully to understand. But the gospel message is simple. And Christ is that big. And worthy was the lamb. Ephesians 2.8, how are we saved? By grace, through faith, and my works, not by works, so no one can boast. By grace, through faith, 
How's this impact me in 2023? Where's my heart? Rules can't change it. Next week, Matt's got a great passage of Colossians changes gears and it's talking more about what we can do. But very simply, it's back to verse 19. It's back to verse 19. I'll get to that in a second. How is our heart changed? Our heart is changed by the renewing of our mind. Romans 12, 2. David knew it in the Old Testament. Create in me a clean heart and renew my spirit. And take not what? Your Holy Spirit from me. That's how our hearts changed, not by rules. And lastly, very simply, am I connected to the head? Verse 19, am I connected to, your, to the head? Folks, ju- judge yourself. Judge yourself. Are you connected to the head? I want to read a couple verses, all out of Colossians. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Last week, Colossians uh, 2, Colossians 2, 8, and, or 9, I'm sorry. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In Colossians 2, 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Are you connected to the head? God bless.